0: Today is March 11th, 2021. We are in El Paso, Texas, on the very corner of Texas, not Mexico, but Texas. And my co-host, Mr. Jesus Bautista and our special, special guest. Long time waiting, Mr. Ricardo Saminego, the County Judge, how are you doing, sir?
1: Real good, thank you. Really nice to to be with you guys. Uh, Jesus and George, thank you. This is uh, quite a privilege, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to reach out to, to our community.
0: Thank you, Mr. Saminigo. We've been going back and forth, but thank God, sir, you made time to talk thank to the community you. about you know important item that kind of imp- it impacts people with disabilities, especially. We have uh me, and Mr. Bautista. We've known at least three or four people from with disabilities that passed away from COVID, and mm-hmm. and it's, it's, you know people with disabilities, folks, you got to understand that we're more um
2: susceptible, yeah, yeah susceptible yeah, to, yeah. to
0: to pass away from the virus. So uh, what we're gonna do, Mr. Saminigo, if you don't mind, real quick. I want to play, just to give some background to our, to our conversation, and, and people are, already know, but I want to put more context into it. i want to play a, an audio or a video about uh, our governor, Abbott, opening Texas, and it should be a really short video, so go ahead and play that now.
3: Thank you. This morning, a Texas-sized test on pandemic policies. They don't need government to tell them what to do. They know exactly what to do. Governor Greg Abbott ordering all businesses back open, dropping the statewide mask mandate and stressing COVID numbers are the lowest they've been in months. Not low enough for some. I think it's much too early. Now business owners are left to figure out their own plans. At Ascension Coffee in Dallas, they're back to 100 percent capacity, but mask policies here aren't changing. Manager Shane Obar cautiously optimistic.
0: My biggest concern is that people are going to not take this pandemic seriously.
3: In Houston, when Pico's Mexican restaurant announced its mask on policy wasn't changing, some threaten to call immigration on employees.
0: We're going to continue to do this. I need to protect my employees and I need to protect the community, my, my, my customers.
3: In Austin, the city using a public health mandate to override the governor's order. The mayor saying leaders should look to the science and data. Texas, one of more than a dozen states now without mask mandates. In California, stadiums reopening in weeks with restrictions. And Disneyland saying it'll welcome back visitors by late April for the first time in more than a year. Disney World in Florida opened since last summer, fully booked through next week. The state already facing spring break crowds with beaches filling up and few masks in sight. From coast to coast, more kids returning to the classroom, some for the first time all year.
1: Beginning to welcome some of our students back is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. So, was...
0: Mr. Saminigo, I mean, you've had a long fight with the governor and the mayor, the past mayor. Uh, wh- wh- what is it? Is it politics or is it, you know, because I mean, I'm being facetious here, but what's your take on this, Mr. Saminigo? Well,
1: it's almost, it's so irrational that, that it's, it's hard to understand. I, I would see that if they had said, okay, you know what, we're going to open the uh, the economy, and we probably we should open it like at 75%, but you still have to wear your mask. This idea that it's up to us to make that determination is very confusing because when a governor sends a message like that, it gives the impression that everything is okay and that we're ready to do this. The science isn't there, the new variations. We don't understand the variations. I mean, they, there's so much complexity to it. Uh, We don't understand some of the things that are going to happen in the long term. We don't know how long the duration of the vaccine is going to last, the potency of it. Uh, We've got so many unknowns that the best thing when you have unknowns, you sort of wait to try to get a better sense. And then you do that because you just don't want one more person to die. Because the risk is really that you have one more person dying simply because you didn't want to wait. Uh, one of the things I've been talking a lot about is that, you know, we have uh, one of the problems with, our, with society sometimes that we've seen and has been our downfall, not only here but throughout the, the world, is to be imprudent, but also immediate gratification. We, we're, we're excited and we want to do something, but that's almost what a child does, right? He's not ready, but he's okay. You know, I'm, I, I want to do it anyway because you want that, that satisfaction, that immediate gratification, uh, because we're so close. We're, we're so close right now to maybe two months. Right now, you know, you're going to have one of, I believe the Achilles heel is going to be the bars. I really believe because you're going to have individuals getting together, the dancing, when there's music, you have to get closer so you can hear each other. And then you're going to go to a multi-generational family where they're very vulnerable. and And because we're not, Vaccinated yet properly? We're right now. Understand? We're at about forty-five percent of of the sixty-five and over. We're, we're doing better than most uh, any county, but we're still so close that we. If you someone went to a bar and maybe did have uh, you know did have COVID and went home to two vaccinated parents or multi generational family, then that wouldn't be a big. Deal because that person will survive it. The, the whole purpose of the vaccine, uh, it's not the panacea. It's not a cure. The, the whole purpose is to keep you out of the hospital and to keep you out of a ventilator, to keep you from dying. That's the primary focus of the vaccine to begin with. Everyone else, you know, we get it and you're young and you're healthy. Well, you know, you're, you're going to survive it. But someone who's older, underlying conditions, the the probability is very, very high. And, you know, one time, uh, you know, my battles with the governor, you know, trying to, all I wanted was a buffer, you know, the ability to give me three weeks before we could, you know, take advantage of your your orders. And uh, he wasn't willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the criticisms that I have is that he's looking at what works or might work. In Austin, which I doubt even in Austin, but he did some things that maybe Austin was ready, San Antonio, Houston, but he didn't take into consideration that we're nestled between, you know, as we say, we've always said, you know, three I states.
2: Yeah.
1: And so here we are, uh, very, very different circumstances. Uh, so it doesn't make, and, and just finally, uh, I made the, uh, the analogy that it would be like saying, you know, our numbers are going down in traffic accidents. Let's stop <laughs> wearing our seat belts. Yeah,
2: you know? yeah. good point, just, Mr. Samaniego. That one of the things that that kind of irated me, or or just you know, annoys me about the governor is that, you know, I'm sure he got his vaccination uh, first because he's in he's in a wheelchair. He's you know he's very vulnerable himself. He's he's a disabled individual, and instead of thinking, you know, like one of us think you know starting to believe that okay well you know we need to we need we need to protect the public we need to protect people with disabilities and and um, you know the people who are uh, no nonsayers or whatever he's just you know they just sit on their on their throne and and make you know make comments and give orders the attorney general is the same way. He, you know, he was arguing against you doing what uh, what you were trying to do for the benefit of the public, not the benefit of yourself or the, you know, it was not a political issue.
1: Well, one of, one of the things that I've said, you know, what would be wrong for him to pick up the phone, give, give me a call, give Mayor Lisa a call and say, what, what's going to happen? What is the impact that my decision is going to make in your community? Absolutely. Imagine, imagine the political capital that he would gain if he were to say, you know, he's, they're still handling situations or helping Juárez because they've got huge, uh, huge challenges over there. There's we're symbiotic in our relationship. We come across back and forth. Uh, New Mexico is sort of closed there, so these three isolated places really need a little bit of a of a break, and and we need to see how it's all going to take place. If but, he yeah. had done that, then then obviously then then I could say even if he didn't do, yeah, uh, what we thought. But if he had taken the time, then then you respect the leadership because you're basing a decision on feedback from the individuals that are going to be impacted by that decision. And of course, don't you uh, we, don't you, we didn't get don't,
2: a call. don't you think though, Mister Samaniego, that that it's a political move because everything is you know is coming from from. Uh, uh, Trump for instance he's blaming us or you and the politicians local politicians for all the Mexicans that are coming in or uh, the, the kids that are coming in and they're supposedly all coming in with covid and it's not true it's been proven that it's not true but th- they use it as a political tool to try to uh, to you know to make it sound like the democrats are are not capable of of governing
1: well, I mean, to me, there's something more basic, and that is that if if you don't understand, or like I said, you know, the times that that he's had any contact with us, he never said, you know, um, condolences to the family. You know, uh, no. it's a difficult time. Uh, you know, like I said, two thousand two hundred twenty-two people that have died. If you just sort of easily, let's say, it's thirty people. Uh, I multiplied the 30 times the 2,222, and that's about 65,000 people that were impacted by death. I mean, direct, plus the collateral damage of that. Yes. And so, to me, what I've really pushed hard to say, why don't we show solidarity to the families that have lost someone by wearing our mask? I mean, what a better way to honor our communities, the people that have died, because if, if, if someone sees someone with a mask, uh, they they know that you understood the pain. But if you see someone that is not wearing a mask and is sort of downgrading what happened, I mean, how do you feel as, as a person that they don't really think it, there was a problem? Or that they? it's almost like saying it didn't exist, that the COVID didn't exist. But yet I had and my, a... Yeah. And
0: my point on that, Mr. Saminigo, you know, because I... I, I when they first started back in March and April, of May last year, you know, people reached out to me and said, well, how about the ADA and, you know, regarding the, the wearing the mask and whatnot. And I'm like, well, put yourself in this situation. If you have already a, an upper respiratory disability and you can't breathe on your own, for example, you use oxygen, why would you go out in the public and put yourself at risk? Mm-hmm. Number one, right? Or you have diabetes. Why would you do that? Why would you, you know, go into the crowd or a store W- with no mass, that's the concept I never got. But before I forget, I want to ask you: With this current executive order, Mr. Semenigo, you do have the authority to uh, to apply uh, mandates if you if you if it's above a certain percentage of the hospitals, right?
1: Yeah, fifteen percent. And, and uh, you know, at first, I uh, you know, we all you know, we make mistakes because you're trying to to be cooperative and supportive. And I made a comment that I'd like to correct, and I said, you know, if it hits fifteen. I'm still going to wait because, you know, then if it goes back to 14, back to 15, I'm going to drive the community crazy as far as opening and closing. Yeah. But But I decided that I can't do that, that if it hits 15, I do have to intervene, have a mandate for the mask, go back to 50% occupancy, because I have to send a message to the community that if we don't do the right things, People don't realize how close we are to saturating our hospitals again. I I found out earlier this morning in a discussion I had with the uh, CEO of uh, UMC, Jacob Sintron, that there's been a huge delay of treatment. People, because of fear of going to the hospitals and the clinics, have delayed. Mm -hmm. So what we have now, we have 87% at UMC already capacity, of non-COVID-related people who delayed, they got sick. There's a severity index as how severe do people come into a hospital? That's increased tremendously. And the amount of stay has increased tremendously. So what we have now, with it's not like people are thinking, well, you know, we already went down to 12%. The problem is that 12% was based on when we expanded And we had the tents and we had the convention centers and we had, so right now, uh, according to my understanding with my discussion with the CEO, is that if we had a spike, you know, significant spike within 10 days, we'd saturate our hospitals again, because we're already at that level. The first time that we had a spike, our capacity was very low. We had maybe 40, 45% of individuals in the hospital. So it took a long time to get all the way to saturation point. Mm -hmm. Right now, because people are going back, people didn't take care of themselves. People might have had chest pains and (laughs) said, "Maybe maybe it's the COVID, maybe it's the vaccine or whatever. But everybody's delaying treatment. And now, boom, here's a boomerang effect. We're now com- getting all of these individuals into the hospital.
2: Are they hearing, uh, Mr. Samaniego, are they, are people hearing that, you know, the, don't go because if you you go to the hospital, uh, you're going to die? I mean, that, that's the attitude that, that some people say, you know, don't go to the hospital because, you know, they'll put you in, in a respirator right away. And that's not true. But I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like the same thing with with people that, that don't know about the about the vaccines, and they say, no, I don't want to vaccinate myself because because um, there's there's a lot of issues with it, you know.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of fear. I mean, when you have a, a situation like the one we've had, people <clears throat> want to hunker down, I want to stay home. We've got the people that want to go out, but there's the, the population over 55 to 60. When you see the profile, and as a matter of fact, I, I was... I wish that the government had allowed us to intervene in how to distribute the vaccine. And they just, boom, I mean, they went over our heads. They they, they dealt directly with the ones that registered. They did ne- never dealt with the leadership. But one of the things I would have done is I would have taken the profile of those who have died. And then I would have gone directly to that profile. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, the, the idea is to keep them from dying. And so, you know, we didn't do that. And so we still have a lot of individuals above the age of sixty-five underlying conditions that have not gotten the the vaccine. So, the the whole solution is a vaccine, but we're f- too far away from it uh, to celebrate not wearing masks and opening bars, and uh, it's Mr. just very premature. Let
0: me, let me ask you a question, and I've, I, this is one thing that kind of gets gets under my skin when they say, when you first came out, when you're you know going back with the governor, you went back and forth was. Dean Margo and whatnot. A lot of people say, well, Sammy Nago, he don't care. You know, he wants to close down businesses, but they don't understand that you're doing it based on scientific evidence. Okay. And number two, at one time, you are you, you used to be a business owner, aren't you?
1: Still to this day. Yeah. yeah. So you, you
0: understand the, the complexity of shutting down and not paying employees. So that's why I wanted to, one of the things to come on air and tell people that, you know, you you've, you've been there as a business owner, do you understand what it's the impact to employees? So it's not like you're just really, really making those decisions. And, and so to me, it's just important that people understand that.
1: Well, thank you, George, because that's really important because all my life, you know, I've worked as a, as a v, VP of, you know, been an executive with Cementos de Chihuahua. Uh, we've had, you know, as much as 2,800 employees. I've owned my own businesses. I've had restaurants. I've owned businesses in Juarez and here in El Paso. So I know what it's like. But I also know that if you don't take care of the healthcare system, your economy is going to collapse. If you you can, can. if employees don't want to go out because they're afraid to get in an accident, there was a time that you did not want to get into a car accident (laughs) because you would be delayed treatment. Yep. I mean, can you imagine who, who do you take first if, yeah. if it's saturated? <laughs> yeah, And so so you, I, I knew that having been in, in the area of psychology, working very close with hospitals and being a huge advocate for what they go through. And it, and I said it over and over, George, every mistake that we make, the brunt of those mistakes are at the hospital, at the yeah. health care workers. They're the ones that had to deal with, uh, they didn't understand. And one of the things I always say is that the public sees day to day numbers. I have to look at trajectory. I have to see where would this end up if we if we continue in this mm-hmm. trajectory. And so I was trying to anticipate and look at what happened. I mean, we had as many as as three four hundred uh, bodies in in trailers and in, in, in mobile units, which is very undignified. And we still have them. We still have two hundred and twenty five. Our our um, funeral homes are still saturated.
0: Mr. Seminigo, so. let me ask you this. Let me ask. It, it, it might be seen for those people that are watching on Facebook and Twitter. I'm going to about. I'm going to ask a question that comes from a uh, blind man. Blind man. Uh, uh, when you were walking among those trailers, or those morgues, what was going through your mind? What was? I mean, because like for me and Mr. Bautista, we can't see it. We can't. Like you know. in... You know, envision the, the 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 people in the in the freezers, and but you you saw that firsthand. What, what did it do to you? I mean, it's just a, and-
1: it's a really difficult situation because at first the first time I did see him, I didn't want to see him. You know, yeah. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be just oh, I just didn't like that. But then the last time I was there, about three weeks ago or four weeks ago. I, um, I I read the names on the tags because I figured that, that I had to be sort of like the consciousness for the community because they don't get to go in there. They don't get to see them. Yeah. So I needed to see and read. the And, you know, it's interesting because we're going to have a, a healing garden. And one of the Dr. Carrasco wrote a piece, say, say their names. He wasn't referring to this. He was referring to the August 3rd.
2: Mm.
0: That
1: we just, you know, we know about, uh, you know, George Freud. We, we know the names, right? and But we don't know the Mexican names. And he was saying, say their names. Yep. Say their names. Because then they just become 23 people that died <clears throat> And so I remembered that. And, and so I, I thought, you know, and I'm going to go again, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, next Tuesday, uh, just because it reminds me that I'm I'm the one that gets to see the situation to remind the community that we're still not out of it and that creates a lot of passion for me to continue to fight it because I have to see those things I have to deal with them I have and, to deal with people calling me and telling me I haven't seen my wow. mom's body wow. in 3 yeah. months you know
2: wow. you know Mister one of the things that that really is hurtful is to to hear people say you know they don't understand the, the 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 essential workers the people that are in the in the mix those people see people die you know daily and you know and and you have to consider their emotional stress They're, they they got to go home to their families worry about their taking that covid to their families and and you know i i just it bothers me when i hear people say well you know that's what they get paid for and, and it just it's just a very good. cold attitude you know
1: you know that there's going to be a lot of trauma of our healthcare workers. It's uh, they're getting the same kind of reaction of PTSD. Yes, because it's very traumatic to see young people that go in, and next thing you know, they're on a ventilator. Next thing you know, they died. So, so a, a typical healthcare worker that might have seen uh, three or four people are sick. Let's say, uh, exaggerating, they might see twenty people die a year. Uh, was seen, you know, that many die in, in one day, you yeah. know, and, uh, and, and it's it's very traumatic. So a lot of the healthcare workers, uh, and yeah. it's sad, it's sad, but two things. One, the lack of appreciation that we've had for them, uh, they're changing careers, Yeah, you know, and if they change careers with this kind of life that we're going to have here where pandemics might be very prevalent, they're not interested, it was too much for them and And it was too much because people just didn't understand what they were going through and when somebody goes through a difficult time and there's no empathy for that, people wonder they you know should I be going through this and putting my family in through but when we did the um, the night of uh, of appreciation for healthcare workers, but man, they had tears no. we had almost fourteen hundred cars went by the during the first lighting of the Christmas lights, but we used it to celebrate our healthcare workers. Oh my goodness. I mean, we, I stood there and, and received every single car that passed by My goodness. and people were crying because we appreciated them because they were so stressed thinking that nobody cared. And so we have, you know, we've got some challenges. If, if they shift careers, um, people were also leaving out of town so that when they, they they everybody thinks it's the money because they do pay very well if they're traveling healthcare workers, but mm-hmm. a lot of them did it because they could stay at a hotel
2: yep. when, hey, when they got Mr. home. And hey, Mr. Samaniego, um, it it really like you said, it's not it's not the pay, but I feel like, uh, and I feel really bad about them because when this is over. And I don't know when it's gonna be over, and it may be over in, a, in two, three months, or you know, it's never gonna be over. It, it will never return to normal. But when it's somewhat over, it's those people that are gonna need help. They're gonna be emotionally, uh, and and like you said they're gonna have that illness, and they're gonna need that help. And our government has to be there. That needs to be there.
1: Yep. We, we do need a real, uh, very significant initiatives uh, <clears throat> to help them recover, uh, they're they're burned out, stressed out, unappreciated. Uh, all the, you know, all the makings of people that uh, that they're going to need to to really take care of their mental health and we well, need let, to be there for them.
0: Let me ask you this question, Mr. Seminago, and we're coming to the end. First of all, I want to say again, Mr. Seminago, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule, because I know you're very, very busy, so I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and Mr. Bautista. But I have a question. You just said it right now. I want to sure. segue into it. How do you, Mr. Saminago? How do you relax? How do you depress or decompress? How do you? What, what do you? What, do you go home and swim? Do you exercise? What do you do to? to
1: well, I, I exercise quite a bit. You know, I'm always exercising, and you know, every chance that I get, uh, when I get home at night or today, it was like five thirty in the morning. Uh, but you know, I have a devotional. I read my devotional every morning, and I have a <clears throat> excuse me. I have a motto. And I said that I said from the very beginning, I'm going to start the day on my knees so that I could stand up to my challenges. So every morning I have my stool and where I kneel and, and I I try to allow, uh, you know, God to work through me and, and to let me know, to put me in these situations. Sometimes I, you know, I'm, I'm very encouraged and sometimes I say, you, could you hold back a little bit? You know, I'm,
0: not,
1: <laughs> I'm not all that ready yet. And, yeah. and so, uh, but it, it's a... Uh, it, I, one of the things it also helps me because I have a mental health background. Yes. Uh, you know, I studied, studied, you know, from psychoanalysis to rational emotive psychotherapy to Glasser with reality therapy. So I, 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 I try to be, do the best I can with myself, and uh, but it is sometimes difficult. Uh, it is um, overwhelming at times. But my personality uh, every day I remind myself that I'm blessed. To be here, one because I'm uh, I'm from El Paso, so I have a, a really deep appreciation. My family comes from Mexico, and you know, all my parents are both from Chihuahua, and I and I love this region. So that sort of helps because whenever you have meaning and find purpose in something, it doesn't stress you as much. Yeah. When you find stress is when you're doing something that's not rewarding, that's not engaging you, that's not Giving you results. And so that that's one big thing. The other big thing is I'm, um, I hate to be in the bleachers. You know, I, I, I <laughs> you're not a spectator, huh? <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I would be more stressed, Virgin <laughs> Jesus, much more stressed if I wasn't a county judge yeah. and I had to be sitting watching the situation. I don't know what I would do because I, You know, when I played football, I I don't think I ever sat on the bench because I was either punting, kicking, receiving. (laughs) I I couldn't stand not being in the game. And so this is being in the game, you know, and this is where I look back.
2: And you're talking to, Mr. Sabanago, to uh, an athlete who uh, I wrestled. I wrestled in high school and college, and and, uh, and I coached. And, you know, I was probably one of the first blind – one of the first or only blind or, 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 you know, visually impaired coaches – um, in the state, oh, and, and and I understand what you're saying because I could hardly, and I'm not a, a good loser.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I'm not a. No, I like but it, it's been, a, you know, and I look back, I couldn't understand what God was trying to accomplish. But I, you know, yeah. I have three master's degrees in three different areas. Wow. I've been in construction. I've taught uh, at community college at University of Phoenix. I, I, I was, you know. Uh, I, I was the uh, general manager of the ready mix business here in El Paso, and I was trying to figure out like why have I done so many things? And but now <laughs> me quedó chiquito. I mean, <laughs> me quedo and you never. I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough talents to in this <laughs> challenge. But but yeah, it's it's like everything I did sort of came to this point. You know, it's it's the most interesting thing I've ever seen as I look back in my life. Yeah. All the different things I did got me to a point where I feel I'm I'm, I'm very well prepared uh, to, to do whatever I can in every moment and possibility. That's why I, I'd love to be in these situations, because it gives me a chance to reach out to the community uh, to let them know that this is going to be a pivotal point where we're going to show the rest of the country... That the community can determine what is best for us, okay. not not another person. Amen. And I have a tengo un dicho en inglés, pero este I hope it's not insultive to you know who. But hmm. uh, it, the, the, it, I wrote I a quote this morning that said that any fool can make a rule, and any fool can mind it.
0: And so,
2: uh, <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, we we understand. <laughs>
0: well, right. Mr. Uh, okay. Mr. Bart- Somebody
1: put it in front of me. It wasn't my fault,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr.
2: Bautista, Yeah, let you me. have any questions just, before we go? Yeah, no, no. I just want to uh, close by by saying that, Mr. Samaniego, I really appreciate you coming uh, to our to our show because you know what? Now I've learned some some, some things about you. That when people ask, you know, so what about Samaniago? I can simply say, you know, he's 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 not a very educated man. He's only got three masters. <laughs> Notre Dame. One's from Notre Dame actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, because uh, people think that you know that um, that because we're Hispanics that we're not we're not very well educated. You know, and I I'm so proud of you. I really I am.
1: I know. Uh, you know, there's another one of the things that I want a lot of I want our community to understand that there's nothing wrong with helping Juarez in solving our situation that, that we're that giving to someone doesn't take from us because I have a I have a cartoon that I've had for a lot of years. And it's there's two people at one end of the boat with a leak. And they're yeah. trying to get the water out. And at the other end of the boat are two other people, and they're laughing and saying, ah, look, I'm glad the leak isn't on our <laughs> end of the boat. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <right? laughs> we're, we're on the
1: same boat. And so yeah. one of the things I'm going to ask is that we really have a tremendous amount of sensitivity that the solution and, – and so let me another quote that I love, and this one's from Benjamin Franklin. He, he says, it, if we don't hang together – we're gonna hang separately, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's that's very powerful because if we don't do if Las Cruces and and and, and Juarez and El Paso, if we don't if we don't work together on this situation, uh, it's gonna be very difficult for us to solve it. And and yeah. the governor always wanted me to solve El Paso without taking Juarez into consideration. It was very. He he got very frustrated with my effort to tell him about bi-national.
2: You know why, you know, Mr. Samaniego? Because that's a racist statement that they make, and they make it all the time without really thinking because they they it's it's a racist statement. You know, the people from Juarez are our brothers. You know, we have family over there. Some of us have, uh, you know, uncles and aunts, whatever. I don't, but we used to, you know.
1: But, you know, one of the things I saw this morning, and you talk about it like I don't get it sometimes, is that there was a lot on this package. There's a tremendous amount of effort and energy to to globally, okay, yes. globally help every nation. <laughs> I'm thinking, hey, we're like one block away from here on Juarez, and we're talking about saving nations that are, you know, thousand, and I want them to get help. Yes, but the ones that are closest to us are the ones that should come first so that we can be strong and we can help other nations. But what is I mean, we've got to help them. I mean, we got to do something. And I haven't gotten a lot of traction on this binational uh, focus and uh, yeah. whatever we all can do to 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 be more sympathetic, because even within our own community. For example, yes. somebody heard that we're going to vaccinate refugees and they go, how dare you? Well, we have so many people. And I said, yeah, but they're going to come into our country
3: yes. and they're yes.
1: going to go throughout the United States. Why not vaccinate them while we have them here? Before they leave, once they leave, they're everywhere, and then mm-hmm. it's going to be and, hard to find and out. And a lot,
2: a lot of those people coming from uh, a lot of Juarenses come to work here in the uh, in El Paso. You know, there are brothers, and, and whether whether we like it or not, they they come to work. Some of them come to do the dirty jobs that some of us Amen. don't care to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm going to ask
0: you, Mister Mister uh, I'm going to ask you a very serious question. Okay, I wanted to ask a serious first. question towards the end. Okay. Sure. I want you to think about this answer because there's people. Oh, no, George. I I asked the same question from Veronica Escobar when she was on our show. Okay, so just remember and she, and she this. Failed, huh? Did she failed? Did she failed? Yeah, <laughs> Mister Samaniego, are you a Dallas Cowboy fan?
2: Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> you better say no. <laughs> uh, I love Notre
1: Dame. Go Irish!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs>
1: I've I've never been a a big NFL. I mean, I've been a real college. I love college football. And when I got to be at Notre Dame, it was like the treat of my life. And uh, well, I'll take it back. Somebody said uh, that I was the only person... That ever watched Notre Dame, and instead of watching the game, I was watching the people watch the game. <laughs> and he said, "Only a psychologist or a mental health professional watches the people watch the game." Right? So. Yeah,
0: you interact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Mister so Somebody, like I said again, thank you, sir. I know you have, you know, your schedule and. Uh, pleasure, anything you want George, to say before we leave, system. before you leave, Mr. Summoningo, do you want to say anything?
1: No, just once again, one, one more plea. I've always believed that, uh, that we, we, are, we have been a role model uh, here in El Paso. The way we handled the refugee crisis in 2019, the way we handled uh, August 3rd has been just amazing. And, and, and so I think we, we still have an opportunity to show the world. What we're made out of, and and we if we do what's right, uh, we'll be do some incredible things. And if I could plug in real quick, stay, I'm gonna I'm really uh, work really hard on the healing garden mm-hmm. at Escalante Park. I mean, we've been working like a, a week after that we had the, the tragedy on August third. I begin to develop the idea mm-hmm. of a healing garden that we're going to unveil on August the third, uh, but we're gonna have healing and unity month. That I, I want to be sort of El Paso, be the impetus of, of having a healing and, and unity month from July 3rd to August 3rd. And we've gotten some national recognition. We've got Dr. Carrasco, who most know is the son of the uh, founder of the of, of Job Corps, who is an iconic person here in El Paso. He's now he's a professor at Harvard a, di- a School of Divinity. Um, and a professor there, and he's gotten. He's going to bring it into national attention, and he wants us to be sort of the impetus, not only for healing and unity, but to kick off Hispanic Heritage Month the following month, because we all feel, and and, and I know you are going to really engage in this, that we should be the epicenter of of Hispanic. You know, all the trade that comes in through here, yep. the refugees from the Chicano movement to all the things from the, the Pachuco, the, everything that happened here from, from the Mexican-American situations that took place in our community, that we should be the centerpiece of, of Hispanic month. But he feels that we start off by, by getting this national recognition of trying to be uh, the unity and healing for, for not only for our community, could share that with the rest of the country. So a lot of series, so anything you guys could do between August, uh, I'm sorry, July 3rd and August 3rd uh, to enhance this idea of racial, you know, educate about racial, about hatred. Uh, I know the Rabbi Greenberg this morning is going to be a big contributor uh, with, he's got uh, acts of random, uh, I'm sorry, he's got its uh, acts of random kindness and he calls it the Ark and so anyway a lot of great things are going to happen mm. between it's a beautiful beautiful uh you know it's 180 feet wide the wall the memorial 10 feet high with water features uh and it's the majority about 400 500 thousand dollars have come from donations and construction company like jr uh with joey rosales just it's going to be an amazing opportunity to showcase el paso and what we're made out of so did I be
0: could, at a or was that it going to be a?
1: If you could have me back on the show, so I could talk about. Oh,
2: absolutely! Oh, yeah! Oh. Heck, yeah.
1: Wow. Heck yeah. I would love that opportunity. Of
2: and course, make some course. recommendations Thanks, of people yeah. that you know that would love to come to the show and talk about about some of those uh uh, uh themes. Oh,
1: that's a great! That's a great! We've already had. Uh, there's a couple that it's a not a couple. It's a, it's the uh, perpetrator and a victim that have made up. And, and talk to each other, and they go throughout the country talking about how difficult it was when they hated, when you know when he hated the perpetrator and that relationship to to forgiveness and and moving forward. So we have a lot of activities. Uh, we have journalists. Some of the top journalists are already involved in our program. Uh, we've got. Uh, have you ever? Uh, it's just amazing journalists uh, uh, that have come. Well, there's real quick. One two one of the ideas I had is that what happened August 3rd resonated throughout the whole country, but we don't know that. And one of the proofs is there's a lady that did 23 portraits of each one of the, of the, of the individuals that died. So they're beautiful portraits and each one under has a significance of their name and she sent them to all the victims. So here, 2,500 miles away an artist was moved by the article of Say Their Names. Oh, my gosh. And so a lot of of beautiful things that that have happened. So anyway, we're ready for our second anniversary, and we'll be able to have the – remember, not a wall, not a memorial. It's a healing garden, not only for the victims, but for our whole community or anybody that's passing by that wants to sit there and just meditate. It's got rose gardens. We're going to have 23 – Trees that were donated for each one of the of the victims. Um, lots of beautiful things. But I would love to to bring people and, and speak, uh, the, the ones that are going to participate in the uh, month-long series. Uh, David Carrasco would be a great person for you to have. Yeah, he would uh-huh. love to do this. Oh, yes, How, um, George. it would be yes, great. No, we'll,
2: we'll, 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 I'll be in
0: contact. Uh, Mr. Okay. For well,
1: sure. I'm sorry I took a little bit more, but no no, no. Hey, this is, Thank you.
0: This, this is your time. See, that's the team, Mr. Samenigo. Cause a lot of times when you're on TV, like, you know, the little clips, you know, ABC seven and this and that, they only give you what, half a minute, 20 seconds. And, but oh people don't really get to know, that's what we've had. We've had a lot of politicians and just interesting people on our show. It's because we want people to understand that you're human. You're not just out there just Thank dictating and uh, I'm the king and, but you actually have feelings, you know, you have a, like you said, background. And, and the thing is that people need to understand that when you make these uh, mandates, well, back then, it wasn't because uh, you wanted, you're power hungry, it's because you cared.
1: Or they take a little glimpse and, and they run it through the TV. And I'll yeah. give you an example. They asked me, what was my philosophy of how I approach things? And I said, I approach something uh, as if I didn't know, like I didn't know anything. Because that way I don't get influenced with my past or whatever. So I want to learn and then the article at the top read, Judge Samaniego doesn't know anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's what they would say. Yeah. You, and, and
1: then I, and I told the I told the the journalist I said, "You do know that they don't read all your articles, right? Just the title, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: right?" Well, Mr. Samaniego, so God thank bless you, you, sir. I was thank with you. you.
1: Navidad.
2: thank you guys I I you know I, this is great this was a great show and and hopefully, hopefully we'll bring you back again soon so that you can give us a little bit more uh, educate us a little bit more
1: oh, yes, sir I love that. thank you I got to meet you and then George we go back and yeah uh, we formed a, a great relationship and and yeah. I, I I miss your friendship so I hope yeah, yeah. I do get to see you a, a lot more
0: thank you sir Okay. And- Thank you. Been watching No Vision Internet Radio and see ya. Bye bye.
1: Thank you. Bye bye.